Good morning. So, good morning and welcome to um, the next in our series on the Gospel of Mark. Um, if you've been here at all over the last few weeks, you would have heard um, some really in-depth preaching, actually, um, on the Gospel of Mark, because we're kind of going through very small chunks of verses at a time, um, so that we can really get to grips, I guess, with the, the life of Jesus, um, exploring his goals and his mission, his mindset a lot of the time, and, and also really what it was like to be like one of his disciples in that time when they're um, kind of in amongst it and all the action. And uh, really, if you have been here the last few weeks at all, you might have heard some of the other speakers um, mentioning that Mark is really a gospel of action. Um, so it's quite fast-paced, there's lots going on, um, and we really get a feel of, of what it would have been like to have been there. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of delve into a, to more of that this morning. Um, but last week, for a bit of context, um, I wasn't actually here, sadly. <laughs> but from what I've heard, <laughs> I believe Adam was speaking <laughs> um, on the calling of Levi. And um, that had a lot to do with uh, Levi's kind of status as a, as a tax collector um, and Jesus choosing to, to meet with him, go to his house, eat with him, um, and just showing a lot about Jesus's heart for, for the lost and for the sinners because um, Levi as a tax collector would have been really um, frowned upon, I guess, um, by a lot of the people at the time. This idea that um, that a lot of tax collectors, I guess, were, were seen as being greedy and corrupt because they were siphoning off money for themselves, um, and that was the sort of people that Jesus was choosing to spend time with. Um, so it's into that sort of context that we're we're going to read um, the verse for this week, which is Mark two, verse is eighteen to twenty two which I hopefully haven't put up in my Bible, but here we are. Um, so it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So the context of this, as we just heard a little bit of it's obviously this um, concept of Jesus like feasting with um, with sinners um, but at this time Jesus' popularity was really growing um, he suddenly had a lot of followers so if you've been here at all over the last few weeks you might have heard of, a bit about Jesus um, healing a paralysed man and he's really starting to speak with a lot of authority people were really listening I guess and just taking notice that this guy seems to have something brand new to say what is what is it that that's about him that's, that makes him really different um, so suddenly he had a lot of people that were really taking notice and really like interested in what he had to say 
But as with anyone popular, as we see even now, he really caused a stir as he was doing that. And we start to see him really dividing opinion in these verses. Um, so some of the main players in these verses that we've just read um, includes the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the time. They had a lot of influence and control in ancient Israel, um, political influence even. So obviously the ancient Israel, they were under occupation with the Romans. But I think from what I've gathered, <laughs> from my, my limited history knowledge, um, the Pharisees still held some political sway over those leaders, those Roman leaders, um, because they represented, I guess, kind of the, not necessarily the will of the people, but they were just very influential. And um, I think they had a lot of sway over the people and therefore the, the Romans wanted to keep them on side. So we see these very powerful people starting to show a lot of opposition to Jesus um, and questioning him on all sorts of things. But obviously in this, these verses, Jesus is being specifically questioned on why is it that your disciples aren't fasting? Um, but how was Jesus feeling at this time? I mean, his ministry was in, was in full swing. Um, but even in the midst of this, we see him starting to talk about the bridegroom, which is himself. He's talking about himself there, being taken away. So we see even in this, these early stages that actually in the background, despite Jesus being asked about fasting and about um, these kind of really practical questions, um, it's the first time here that Jesus starts to talk about his own death and prophesy his own death, and it also points towards his ascension into heaven. So it shows that even though he was suddenly really popular and influential and people were taking note of him, he still had his eyes on, on the future. He knew exactly where he was going, what his mission and his purpose was, which was to be that perfect sacrifice for us so that we could know, know him and know our, our perfect father in heaven. So that's just a bit of intro, but um, in terms of the, the passage that we've just read and when Jesus is being questioned about, about fasting, um, he uses three main images and um, a contrast to really depict the way that his new way um, of the gospel and grace was really very different from the old way that we see really illustrated and personified in the, the um, Pharisees and the way that they were living. Um, so we could call that kind of devout Judaism, I guess, or um, legalism that had really corrupted God's perfect law. So these three images of contrast that we're going to look at today um, are firstly fasting and feasting, which was obviously the immediate question that he was being asked. Um, but secondly, then he goes into some quite cryptic things, so new cloths being sewn onto an old garment, and then thirdly, new wine being poured into an old wineskin. So if we look first at this image of fasting and feasting, as I say, that's the immediate question that Jesus was being asked. Um, but I still think it holds a lot of imagery, actually, in terms of when Jesus is addressing the question, he doesn't just seem to, to go into the, the immediate question of fasting, but it seems to span a lot of actually um, his, his mission, I guess, as um, um, his gospel mission and his grace towards people and his will. Um, so fasting was a common practice amongst the Jews at the time um, as a means of showing devotion to God 
um, repentance, grieving, just for all different reasons um, Jewish people would, would fast. But the Pharisees in particular took fasting really seriously. And as we've seen, obviously they held a lot of influence and they often used their um, knowledge of the law and knowledge of all these practices and the rules and regulations that were surrounding Judaism at the time to uphold their own power and maintain their own feeling of superiority. Um, so some stricter Jews at the time, which would include the Pharisees, but also it seems in here that it's, it's John's disciples as well, interestingly, um, were um, questioning Jesus and his approach to fasting. But some stricter Jews fasted twice a week, so on a Monday and a Thursday. Um, but Jesus is making it clear in these verses when he starts talking about the bridegroom is here. And this is a time for celebration. Um, and I think it's really interesting when we, you look at the, the context of the previous verses. So this seems to be where the question is coming from. Jesus is, um, just a few verses before, feasting with these sinners. He's um, saying to Levi, I'm coming to your house. Um, and I don't, it seems like he doesn't care what other people think, the fact that that would be quite controversial. But he's like, yeah, I'm coming to your house. Um, I'm going to spend time with you. And I want to bless you. Um, and I want, to, I want to feast with you, I want to eat with you. And this is, seems to be in the midst of other more, not more, but devout Jews, <laughs> um, but devout Jews, I guess, like people that were, that were very strictly following the law. Um, they, they're saying, well, we're all fasting, Jesus. Why, why are you choosing to, to go to someone's house, first of all, a sinner, um, and then also choosing to, to eat when all of us are, are starving and we're, we're so holy and we're, <laughs> we're trying to do all these things. Why are you like, not encouraging your disciples to do that too? Um, but it just seems a bit like the, the Pharisees and even John's disciples as well um, are really missing the point. So Jesus is here, he's describing himself as the bridegroom, but he is literally God with them. They're saying, oh, we're, we're fasting because we're so, um, we, we so want to get close to God and we so want to um, encounter him and we want to, we yeah, just draw close to God. And yet God's there with them and they've just completely missed it. Um, and it's really sad, actually, that, yeah, Jesus is there welcoming sinners with open arms and he would have, interestingly, welcomed the Pharisees, of course, if they had been like repentant and just been like, could see what was in front of them. Um, but no, they're more worried about rituals. They're more worried about, um, yeah, impressing everyone else and um, following the rules. Um, but then when you, when you look at these verses as well, you might be struck at first glance by thinking, well, what is Jesus' view on fasting? Like, does he, is he actually discouraging his disciples from doing this? Because it seems like they're not doing it at all from, from the question. Um, and it seems a bit strange, wouldn't Jesus want to encourage people to fast? Because we see it now as like being an important spiritual practice, and we do it. Like uh, over Lent, for example, we quite often encourage fasting as a church. But is that contrary to what Jesus wants? Um, but actually we see in other parts of the Bible, Jesus clearly wasn't against fasting. Um, even in this verse, he, he says the time for fasting is later. Um, so he's not saying there's never, never an appropriate time to fast. But also in Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples to fast in secret. Um, and he contrasts that with 
this idea of fasting in a way that's really public or that you're, he says something about contorting your face and making yourself look like you're really suffering. Um, and that seems to point to people like the Pharisees who were perhaps doing things with the intention of, of looking really good to other people around them um, and showing off. And I think that's, that's where this key contrast comes in between the old way that um, the Pharisees were following and displaying in their lives and then this completely new covenant, this completely new way of doing things that Jesus um, was bringing in. So the old covenant and the, the old way of legalism is all about the external, it's all about our deeds, it's about everything that we do um, to, to make ourselves more like God, it's about rituals, it's about trying to look impressive to other people and using our own hard work to gain self-righteousness. Whereas the New Covenant is a complete opposite 180 contrast to that. The New Covenant that Jesus heralded is internal. It's all about our hearts. It's all about relationship instead of ritual. It's all about caring more, about drawing closer to God rather than what other people might think. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we obviously have his divine righteousness for free. We don't need to work at it. Um, so Jesus was just showing a completely new way. So when the Pharisees fasted, we get a bit of an impression that maybe it was for show. Whereas our Father God is more interested in what's going on in our hearts when no one's looking and, yeah, just the state of, of the internal. Um, so the second illustration that Jesus uses here is the idea of a new patch of cloth being sewn onto an old garment to kind of patch up um, what was there, if there was like a hole or a tear. So this shows a slightly different um, tack to what Jesus was saying. And as I said, it's, I think it, it goes a bit further than, or a lot further than just the idea of fasting. Jesus is saying here, he didn't come to just patch us up, but to bring complete spiritual wholeness. He didn't come to tell us, oh, just try a bit harder and then, then you'll be holy like me. He heralded a brand new age of close relationship with our Father God, of righteousness by faith. And this new way means that we're clothed in Jesus' righteousness, in his new garments. If we put our faith in him, we have his garments of righteousness and we don't have to work to, um, to gain that. Now, it's important to note when we're saying this that it's not about our works and it's, um, it's all about faith in Jesus, that that doesn't mean that Jesus ever suggested that the law was wrong or evil. Um, it was a part of God's perfect plan. And Jesus said elsewhere that he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. But Jesus actually fulfilled the law on our behalf, so we still, it still plays into this idea that we have his righteousness for free. Um, so even though the law was good and it was part of God's perfect plan, the old way of legalism, its time had passed, it was worn out like this old garment in the image. Um, another important thing I think to, to note when we're talking about um, the idea of not earning our own righteousness is that, yes, we do have um, eternal life purely through Jesus. We don't have to add anything onto that. Um, but when we have true repentance in our hearts, it does show in, 
we, we have a change of, of heart, I guess I would put it. So our love for Jesus should really lead to transformed lives. And I think if we're, if we're saying on the one hand, oh yes, I follow Jesus, but then there's, there's zero transformation to the way that we live in and we don't ever question ourselves as to like, oh, am I, am I living right with Jesus? Then that would put into question like kind of where actually are you um, with him? So it does require some effort, and in Romans we're told to clothe ourselves in Jesus and not to think about, not to even think about how to gratify the desires of our flesh. So that, that does suggest that there is some effort involved, but this idea of clothing ourselves in Jesus just means repeatedly going back to him, going back to the cross and saying, hey Jesus, I really need you. As Adam mentioned this morning when we were taking communion, I need your grace, I can't do this on my own. And it's, that's very different, I think, from just relying on ourselves. Um, so we are new creations, and we need to shift our mindset towards that um, so that we're living out of all the goodness of what, what Jesus has done for us. And the third image that I wanted to look at was um, the new wine being poured into an old wineskin. Um, so again, you could bring a slightly different tack to this. It's, it's not just about fasting. Um, I think Jesus is really demonstrating here that he didn't just come to add a little bit of grace into the mix with law um, or with legalism, but to bring something completely new. So in a similar way to when we're talking about the old garment being like worn out legalism, the old wineskins as well represent legalism um, and trying to earn our way into God's favor. But I think what's interesting with the wineskins is when you look into the kind of history of it that they were made of like goat skins and you can kind of imagine, I mean obviously we don't have anything like that now, but I can kind of imagine that as they aged and got older that skin would get really kind of rigid and inflexible. And I think that's a really good image for, for what legalism can be like in our lives. It's so constricting and it oppresses us and like tries to kind of like almost push us in on ourselves. But the good news is the old legalistic systems um, that we can sometimes make ourselves subject to, they cannot contain the gospel of grace. And our relationship with Jesus brings joy and that cannot be contained either. The, and so when we look back at the, um, oh sorry, I'm booming there. <laughs> when we look back at um, the previous verses and Jesus choosing to feast um, instead of fast and choosing to feast with, with sinners, you can see that the joyful feasting of Jesus with these sinners and welcoming them in with open arms is completely incompatible with the ritualistic mourning and the fasting of the Pharisees. And when we look at the lives of the Pharisees and the way they behaved and the way they carried themselves and this, this fact that they're questioning Jesus and, and the way that, yeah, they, they choose to fast twice a week and they're so constricted by all these rules, you start to see, um, like in real life, I guess, how the, the law doesn't bring life and the law cannot bring freedom from sin. It's, it's powerless to do that. And the law doesn't bring joy because you don't get the impression that these Pharisees and the people that are questioning Jesus were particularly joyful about fasting. <laughs> they were just doing it and they're like going through the motions, as it were. And I was really reminded of this actually this week. Um, so I think Susie mentioned earlier about the Proverbs group and I went along 
this, this Friday. It's like a daytime group um, for, for anyone that's around like a Friday morning. Um, and so there's often like kids running around and it's like, a, it's a bit mad, but like also great, just like a, an opportunity to meet together, read through a couple of verses from Proverbs um, and just get some wisdom, um, like God's wisdom for our lives. And um, it was my very first time going there. And then as soon as we opened up the Bible for this week's verse, I was like, oh, <laughs> because it was all on the, the importance of being an early riser. <laughs> oh my gosh, like if anyone knows me, <laughs> I'm such a night owl and I just, I do not function well in the mornings. Uh, I would, so immediately I just kind of felt very condemned. <laughs> which you shouldn't feel when you're, you're opening up the Bible, but I just thought, oh no, why did it have to be this verse? When I like, turn up, I probably won't come again. <laughs> because I was like, oh no, I'm about to hear all the ways that I'm not meeting up to this standard, <laughs> which is like awful. I don't know why I thought that. But, um, <laughs> but within seconds, honestly, of like, anyone kind of opening their mouths and like as we were going around the group and people were sharing their different experiences I was just really struck by the grace that everyone had in the conversation and there were some people there I mean Susie included who are early risers but they weren't like lording it over me <laughs> I don't know what I expected Susie <laughs> um but no like the it, everyone was kind of really honest about their own failings and just saying, you know, like we've all got different struggles and some of those were like coming out as we were discussing things. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm so grateful for this like community of people that um, remind me that actually I don't need to feel condemned. And um, what, what came across, I think, most of all when we were talking was this idea of the joy of meeting with Jesus and that, you know, we, we have this opportunity to, to meet with him. Why wouldn't we take that? And <laughs> the funny thing is, it actually got me, like, ever so slightly excited to get up a bit earlier. <laughs> You're going to have to hold me to that. But, <laughs> but I actually thought, do you know what? Yeah, I'm catching a little bit of that joy that other people have got. Um, and that's exactly what it should be like. When we're spending time with Jesus, we should be experiencing that joy. And um, that's not to say, like, oh, if you're not experiencing joy, then there's something wrong with you. But no, it's actually good news. You know, Jesus came to bring us life to the full. Not dead religion and constricting rules, but we actually get to have a relationship with this King of Heaven, and he cares about us. I mean, what a joy that is. So um, in terms of application of those, like, three areas that we've covered... I think um, the, the first area that, that might have stood out to you as I, as I was speaking was this idea of trying to earn God's favour. And I think there's a real stark warning in those verses that we've read when it says um, about that if you try to patch yourself up effectively, the, the new piece of cloth will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And if you try to pour the new wine of grace and mix it in with, with legalism into the old wineskin, um, the wine will burst out of the skin and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. So this idea that if we, if we just try to, to add a little bit of Jesus into our rules and our regulations and our rhythms of life, um, that actually we, we push out all the joy 
and we push out all the, all the new life, actually, that Jesus has put into us. Um, so there's a real stark warning there. So, yeah, um, that's the first one, trying to earn God's favour. The second area that I, I think I really struggle with personally is more around um, trying to earn other people's approval. So you might feel pretty confident that like, oh yeah, no, I know that God, that God loves me and I don't have to do anything to earn his favour. But maybe you're actually, you've got one eye all the time on what do other people think of me? And I can certainly relate to that and I can relate sometimes to the Pharisees, to be honest, in this idea of like, oh, I just, I just want people to like me. I want people to think I've, I've pretty much got it together. But that can be really dangerous as well. Um, so, yeah, if, if that's kind of stood, stood out to you, I, I guess the remedy for all these things is just going back to Jesus every time and saying, Jesus, help me with this thing. Um, and the, the third thing that may, may have stood out to some of you is this idea of like maybe you've, you've lost a bit of your joy. Um, so if daily life just seems hard, you never quite measure up, and you feel like I'm always just striving and striving to, to be better, to do better, that's not really possible. So, um, yeah, if you feel like you've lost your joy, let's be going back to the cross again. <laughs> I know it sounds like, it sounds repetitive, but I think that's, that's all there is, isn't it? It's going back to the cross, asking the Holy Spirit to help us, and like, deal with this thing in my heart. Um, so yeah, the three things were trying to earn God's favour, trying to earn human approval, or feeling like you've lost your joy. I wondered whether we could maybe like pray in like twos or threes, if you feel comfortable to do that, and maybe just have a chat with the person next to you and say, you know, this is the thing that stood out to me. Um, if you don't have anything, then you're doing better than me. <laughs> um, or if you, don't, if you really don't feel comfortable with that, then please like, don't feel pressured to do it. But I, th I feel like we have been pushed out of our comfort zones a bit this morning, and I think that's brought some really positive things. So please be encouraged to like, chat to someone near to you. And then let's just be praying for one another um, yeah, for these three areas, um, that Jesus would just come and reignite something in us um, of wanting to draw closer to him and the joy of that, um, and that we don't have to keep striving. So yeah, yeah, please chat and pray with the person next to you or near you.